0: Well, on Wednesday nights, we kind of go right into uh, uh, the, the preaching and the teaching there. So, But tonight, you guys are going to be blessed because we have a young man that's going to be uh, sharing tonight and, and, and preaching, teaching from the Word of God. Uh, and it's been such a blessing to, to watch his life over the last uh, couple of years or several years of God's hand upon him. and. He came after he graduated from college. Came and asked if he could hang out with us all summer long and be a blessing. Of course, it was part of his college course to finish, and uh, that was okay. But uh, uh, it was a uh, such a joy to get to, to know him even more so. And uh, many of you probably didn't even know he was here. He doesn't talk much, but so this is going to be exciting to actually hear him say more than ten words. So we're going to be fun. we're going to really get to hear that tonight. But no, he is uh, he's a tremendous blessing to us and it's been a tremendous blessing to us at at Harvard's bible church here and we we thank god for his heart uh i thank god for the calling of god upon his life he's uh he's a he's a fine terrific young man and uh and i we're just blessed to have it and i know that you know I can remember starting out in, in ministry and starting out in teaching. So I'm counting on all of you to get behind him and amen and be a blessing to him. Amen? amen. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, because uh, I just believe that God has his hand upon his life and God's going to lead God. And we're so glad that we're going to be a part of that. Amen? amen. So let's give a good, warm Harvest Bible Church welcome. Brandon Cavallo, come on up here, buddy. <laughs>
1: is it on? Can you hear me? All right. Uh, Start with a quick prayer. Uh, Lord, thank you for bringing all of us here safely. And thank you for those who are out there. And I just pray that you use this night for us to come together and fellowship and to hear your word, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I was telling the pastor before this, it's like a football game. I I need somebody to come up and hit me, <laughs> wake me up, get me ready. Get the jitters out. <laughs> Alright, well, I hope you guys brought your swords with you tonight, because, yes, yes. and uh, don't be afraid to tell me if I mess up too, it won't hurt my feelings if you guys let me know. Um, just something that God put on my heart to talk about a few weeks ago. Well, thank you for the internship, Pastor. I should backtrack. Thank you for the internship, and I thank Miss Leticia, Greg, Crispin, and everybody here for helping me and just growing me after leaving college and helping me readjust to coming back here. And I thank the prayer team for always praying for me. But, to get back to what I was going to start with, a few weeks ago, God put it on my heart. I just, there's a lot of people out there that are spiritually dead, and I think it just breaks my heart to think about that, and everybody outside of Christ is spiritually dead, and it's not easy to let people know that, and... They're not usually very happy when you do. Um, so I think the first thing I'll go into first section would be uh, in Luke. The prodigal son. Luke fifteen twenty four is the verse that I'm going to read, but just to save time, prodigal son. This guy has this father has two sons. One son wants his inheritance. And he wants to take off and live a worldly life, live wild, do whatever he wants with the money. The other son stays behind and does what the father tells him. The one that goes to the world and lives in the world finds out real fast that it's not, it's not worth his time. It's not a good use of his time. And he says he wants to go back and live with his father because even the servant's Have a better life than what he had. So, fifteen twenty four. This is after the he starts coming back. The father sees him and runs to meet him, and he's and he says, "This is Jesus talking and telling us a parable. For this is my son. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry." I think it just. Speaks, because Jesus is God. He He knows what's going on. God sees everybody that's not saved. He sees them as dead. And he, it breaks his heart to see them. Going that path. Going down the wide road to destruction. He wants as many of us to come back to the narrow, narrow gate and be with him. And... It just it like the first the first time I really sat down and looked at that passage and thought about it is just every single one of us, not a single one of us has lived a perfect life, only one man did that, and at some point God had his his heart was broken for us too, Amen. and there's just rejoicing in heaven when we come back to him. All right, jump with me to uh, Ephesians 2. I'm going to read 2 through 3. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest that just goes back to the point none of us is none of us were great people you may think you were good you might have just been a really nice dead person so but where's that get you? Um, sorry for jumping around a lot, but now I also want to go to uh, story of Lazarus. So back to John, back over towards the uh, Gospel of John, and get into uh, chapter eleven. I'm going to start at thirty-eight. So Jesus, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, Lazarus, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench for he has been dead four days. And I think uh, if you guys live around here, you've driven down the road and had a dead skunk somewhere and you know, that's not a pretty smell. I'm not going to go searching it out. I don't. They're not selling that uh, at Sephora. They're not selling the stench of death at Sephora. Um, John eleven forty, Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? I think it's just, it's beautiful to see the glory of God in our own lives simply by the fact that we get saved and we can have eternal life with him. Because I know I didn't deserve it, and not many people do, but he did it anyways, just because he loves us that much. Amen. He's just an amazing, amazing God. I wouldn't want to serve any other God. I don't That's just me. Uh, so 41. So they removed the stone, then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The story of Lazarus is an amazing miracle in its in its own way. It's the story of a man who was dead for four days there's no way there's no way he's coming back. He was dead, and even if they got it wrong for a day he might might have still he was wrapped up tight and the stone was over there. there's no way he's getting out um, but Jesus rose him from the dead, but that same miracle is working in all of our lives to this day because we were spiritually dead. And Jesus died on that cross, took our sins, and then was resurrected just to show us that death is defeated for us too if we yeah. choose to believe in Him. That fear of death is no longer here. And I'm thankful. Very thankful. But something that's really was really interesting and stood out to me about that last part is Jesus didn't say to Lazarus, clean yourself up. You just just got brought back to life. Clean yourself up. Let's go. He told the people around him, the people that were following Jesus, to go unbind him. He had them move the stone, unbind him, clean him off. Then they went and did what they were going to do. It's not... It's not... it, It... it is hard to live a, the Christian life from start from salvation and to grow without community. Amen. Community is massive. Yes. I yeah. myself am a, it's I'm proof of that because I I grew up in church. I never really I always thought God was real I never really bought into it and then as I was going into my college years God just stopped me dead in my tracks and I I turned and I went to the Bible I always had a dusty Bible on my shelf because my grandma always kept one for me but I went and I dived into his word I started coming to church here and I felt like I was doing all right. I didn't really, I didn't really, but I didn't really understand the full extent of my salvation. I went away to school, and there was all these different things up in the air about where I should go. I eventually believed God told me to go somewhere. I played football there, or I was planning on playing football there, but that's not what happened. I went there, and I got trained up by these lovely people that just loved me and showed me the, what it meant to be a true Christian. That it's not just a title or an, adge- an adjective that you throw before something, I'm a Christian this or that. You're a Christian first. You're, you're a child of the one true God, Amen. an heir to his inheritance. And he, he wants us to know that relationship is there for us. And without that community, I would have never noticed, I would have never seen that, and I would have probably backslid and just not stepped in to become the man that God wants me to be. I would have became the man the world wanted me to be. I think it's really interesting to, as a person who went off to college, and I noticed people that still live here that I know, it's sin loves company. They love com- it. Loves company, because if somebody's going to go out and drink and do something, their their first move is to always call a buddy and see, hey, you want to go out with me? They want to bring you along. That's dangerous. If they're doing it, then it's okay. If a big group of us is doing it, then where's the harm? There's a lot of harm. Let me tell you. Um, but a good a good Christian community can stop that dead in its tracks. We have to be willing to help the other people around us to take those wrappings off. and The people that get the wrappings taken off have to be willing to not go back and sit in that grave again, too. I know sometimes I, I feel like I look back and I'm like, man, it would be real easy just to just go sit in that grave and the world will pass me by. They won't care. But... That's not what God has planned for any of us. That's not what he has planned for anybody that isn't in Christ right now either. He wants everybody to be back with him. He wants everybody to be back in his family. Amen. Amen. Just going off of the idea of community and kind of thinking about, I um, can't remember who said it, but when the two guest speakers were here, they talked about. he talked about watering the seeds that you have when God plants that seed in us, when he brings us to salvation, even as a fully realized Christian, you can have seeds given to you and you can have a word given to you and you need to be careful about what your community is and if you are allowing other people to pour into you to dilute that water and keep that water away from you. God so often refers to his followers as plants and the kingdom as a plant. Psalm one three, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth its fruit in its season. Whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. That's what he wants for all of us. He doesn't want us to, he doesn't want us to follow him and then just hide in the hide in the corner. He doesn't want us to be that sad little house plant that withers away in the corner, and every once in a while you remember to give it a little water. He wants us to be a big, giant oak tree, ready to take on those winds. The parable of the sower. So I'm going to go to uh, Matthew 13. The parable of the sower is something that always I I just always go back to, and I think that there's a lot there's a lot to be said in it. But I'm going to focus on a. One of the specific seeds. Matthew thirteen three through eight, and he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, "Behold, the sower went out to sow, and he sowed some seeds. fell beside the some, his seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky place places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched." and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out, and the others fell on the good soil, yielded a crop, yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. You can go through all those, and you can kind of put those into this, the different situations where you could see a seed in yourself, especially in me, that might get snuffed out because of one of these things. The the main one that I really want to focus on is the one that was tossed among the thorns. If you are a Christian and you're living with a lot of unbelievers that you allow to pour into you, we're called to live in the world, but not be of the world. So we're we're not supposed to let the world change us. We're supposed to be here to change the world. We're ambassadors of God. We are part of his kingdom first. We're adopted into his kingdom. We're here to change the world and to make it look more like his kingdom as we can. And when I think about a seed growing and the thorns choke it out, is that sin, the sin, like I said, sin loves company. Those thorns are going to do their best to choke out that seed because they want that seed, to, they want it to die. They want the nutrients that was going to go to it. They want to kill it. They won't want anything. They don't want to see that. Just an illustration, I, I'm very young, so I haven't worked a bunch, but what I have done is a lot of agriculture-based jobs. And this past summer I was working for a farmer, and we went to a field, and usually the almond trees are lush and green, and the almonds are ready, but this field had a lot of trees that were withering away, the leaves were yellow, the almonds weren't growing, it wasn't doing, they weren't doing good. And it was because the weeds around the almond trees had grown so tall that those weeds were taking away the nutrients and the water and everything that that almond tree was supposed to get to help it grow. And they were taking it away from it, killing the almond trees. So we had to go in and take out the weeds. I think God will take out those weeds out of your life. But you have to want those weeds gone. The, the The people that own the land... He, he the far, the, guy, the man that I worked for, he told them they needed to get rid of the they needed to do something with the weeds. They, they didn't do it. They let those weeds sit, and the weeds started to kill their crop. And we can only hope that it didn't uh, affect the fruit that's going to come in season. But something that we all have to do is a reality check. Often, who are the weeds in our life? Are we allowing weeds to be in our life? Or are we going to go out and seek out the water that we need? God's Word. Fellowship with good believers that want nothing but the best for you. That aren't... Like in Corinthians when it talks about love, love is not... Love doesn't seek evil for you. It's not about itself. It's about you. It's about helping you. And... Jesus on that cross just showed us that. He went up there. He could he, he didn't have to. He didn't have to. But he wanted us to be with him. Yes, amen. And he needed us to be with him, and he loved us enough. God loved us enough that he gave his only son. That's right, yes. amen. Just to go back and just kind of encapsulate all of it. Just like Lazarus, we were dead. We don't have to stay that way. That's right. Come on. <laughs> we were dead. Jesus gives us life and he gives it abundantly. Yes. We just have to accept that. It's not, he's not going to force himself into our lives. He's not going to make us do anything. We have to. It's a relationship. It's a back and forth. We have to, we have to meet him. We have to do it with him we have to make him the lord of our life. That's right. Yes. Come on. Amen. And we have to not let the world take that away from us because they're going to try. They're going to try very hard. They may they may try it. But no weapon formed against us will prosper. I know that. Um, well, I went pretty f- I went faster than I thought, but um I just want to extend the offer as pastor always does out to those that are around here tonight, on, online. That Jesus is waiting for you now. He's waiting for you now to come to him to have that, that relationship with him. To build that relationship with him. To walk in the promises that he gave you in the Bible. Yes, amen. Yes, thank you. And you know, the biggest one is, that, is eternal life. The world is constantly science is constantly trying to extend our human life and they 're worried about the life expectancy let 's see that life expectancy go up christians we don 't have to we don 't have to worry about that our life expectancy doesn 't have an end we don 't have we don 't have an end we 're all going to be around a very long time um, but you can Come forward afterwards if you don't want to. You can talk to anybody. You can talk to pastor. You can talk to me. You can talk to people on the prayer team. You can, if you want to give your life to Christ, you can do it now too. It's give your life to Christ publicly. Don't hide it. When you hide it. That means there's something, you think there's something to be ashamed about. There's nothing to be ashamed about in Jesus. There's nothing to be ashamed about in our God. And the reality is, if you're ashamed of Him while you're here, He's going to be ashamed of you when you get up there. So, you can... If somebody would like to do that, if everybody would bow their head and close their eyes... And if somebody here would like to do that tonight, you can go ahead and raise your hand and we'll go through the prayer, but if no one is going to raise their hand, that's all right. That means that there's plenty of us that can go out and find somebody else to bring with us. Just, Father, thank you for this night. Thank you for these people who came and listened to what I had to say, what you had to say through me. And I just thank you for all the people in, in this church and all the Christians around the world that your body on this planet is there. And they're there for you to use, Lord. Yes. And I just pray that you do. And I pray that the, labor, the harvest is plentiful. And I just pray that you send laborers out into it, Lord. And you continue to build up those that seek you and you come back to them and you just help build them up as well lord i pray this all in the name of jesus amen amen, amen.
0: Awesome. Awesome. awesome awesome wonderful job it's going to be the first of many as we see and grow and do you know, I thank God for young and the old, and thank God for people that are hungry for God, amen? And I, and I love his testimony. He went off to college and he got more spiritual, hallelujah. So what, a, what a, an incredible testimony. I mean, I think he had to break both hands to do that, but other than that, right, didn't you break both hands in football or just one? No, I, I broke both. both hands. hands.
1: playing football, if he had other plans for me, to give me a, to tell me, to show me. And then I got the diagnosis that the other one was broken, too. And so I was like, all right.
0: It's kind of hard to be the all center right. with two broken hands, okay? For those of you that know football, they're the ones that have to hike the ball back to the quarterback, okay? Hallelujah. But no, uh, you know, it thrills my heart. It's one of the things that, for me, in believing God, I am believing God. For young men and anybody that's called of God. You know, that we need that. We need them to reach this next generation. We need to reach this next generation. And and, and for me, it just touches my heart because somebody gave me a chance when I was 19 years old and didn't know what in the heck I was doing. And he talked to me before. He said, well, I might not go real long. I said, who cares? I went 10 minutes, my first sermon, and then somebody had to get up and interpret what I said because I talked so fast that they were like, what in the heck did he even say? So... Somebody got up and interpreted and let them know what I said, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to starve as a preacher. I'm terrible. (laughs) But uh, somebody kept giving me a chance, and I appreciate that, and that's why we always want to give people chances to do the things that God's called them to do. Amen? Hallelujah. And I'm just blessed, and we're blessed that he's, and God has great things in store for Brandon, We're we're really believing for that. Amen? Glory to God.